0: Hey, this is Andy Lucas, pastor of Emmaus Road Church in Fort Collins, Colorado. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this message helps you grow in your walk with Christ. If you'd like to support this ministry, visit theroadfc.org and click the giving link. Today we are beginning a brand new series called The Defining Marks. Uh, Now, if that term sounds at least roughly familiar, uh, that's a good thing, uh, because over the past several months, we've been providing uh, pretty cryptic updates uh, about uh, these defining marks and the work that's being done on defining marks. Uh, We've been doing that uh, during our family meetings, and today uh, I want to just let you know uh, how the defining marks came about. Uh, I want to tell you how they're going to serve in our ministry, uh, and also tell you what these defining marks are. Uh, And so today, I really consider today to be a significant day in the life of our church uh, in terms of just like helping us form a new identity. Uh, it'll feel a little bit uh, like a who are we kind of a identity session. It'll feel a little bit, I'm going to do some preaching too, uh, so you can uh, count on that, uh, but it'll feel like a little bit of a mix of kind of both of those things. So I uh, want to just offer a prayer as we get started and then uh, start uh, introducing you to the concept of these defining marks. So Uh, Let's pray together. Uh, Heavenly Father, we uh, are thankful for your presence here today. Uh, God, thanks for the gift of music uh, that helps provide language for our praise uh, to you. Uh, But we also recognize, God, that music uh, is a great opportunity for you you to speak to us. Uh, And so, God, thanks for our time of worship this morning. Uh, through music. As our worship continues through uh, opening up your word and gathering around the table and through prayer, uh, God we pray that that your spirit would be active in all of it uh, to form us and shape us uh, into your likeness uh, as the people of God. Uh, So Lord we love you, be with us in these moments we pray and we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, So defining marks, Um, let me kind of bring you up to speed on how these defining marks came about uh, before I introduce them, and that is that last October, uh, so several months ago, our a church board and our ministry leadership team met together in the tiny conference room at Wild Boar. Uh, we were crunched in there, and uh, we talked and we dreamed together about the future of Emmaus Road. Uh, in that discussion, we determined that we needed something uh, as a community that would help us better articulate our identity as a church. Uh, That is to to say that we felt like moving forward and moving ahead with all the church the the church had been through. uh, We needed to clarify our identity as a church so that we could help ourselves and others understand who we are. Uh, so in light of that discussion, a task force was formed uh, to create uh, statements that we are calling the defining marks. Uh, this task force was comprised of our staff, uh, members of our church board, members of our leadership team. Uh, and then if you'll remember, months and months ago, we made a general call to the to the congregation of any of you that might be interested in being part of that conversation. Uh, and we had some of you reply. And so uh, the, those of you that responded to that call and invitation were also part of this task force. So. So members of our community, our ministry leadership team, our church board, uh, and our staff were all part, uh, kind of were represented and made up this team, uh, this task force. Now before giving the statements to you, uh, I want to, and, and then unpacking the first one a little bit, uh, I want to let you know a little bit about the process of writing these statements. Uh, and that is to say that uh, coming out of the retreat in October, uh, the, the the leadership team, the church board, and the ministry leadership team together had three main themes that we wanted to define marks to center on and to focus on Uh, and so uh, but we needed to begin somewhere we just had like broad uh, themes or directions for these defining marks Uh, so to begin uh, myself and Grace and Daniel each wrote a statement that fit one of those areas there were three main areas there were three staff members let's have a staff member write uh, something so that we have uh, something to go with and begin with rather than have our team of eight to ten people in a meeting staring at a blank page does this make sense Uh, So we wanted something to start with once we got all together. Uh, So once we had a beginning point, the team met several times to discuss and revise these statements over the course of several meetings, totaling uh, over 10 hours. Uh, The defining mark statements went through three major revisions until we had what we felt like was a near final draft. Uh, Once that near final draft was written, we sent it out uh, to uh, district leadership, to members uh, of our own community, to other pastors, uh, to other respected leaders that, uh, that we knew. Uh, and to folks who maybe didn't have a lot of church background. Uh, and we did that to try to get feed, to, to get feedback from a variety of voices. Uh, and what we, what we found out is that feedback provided, was very, very helpful in helping us make final edits uh, to what we're going to show you today. So uh, that's the process. In other words, there has been a lot of care that has gone into uh, these defining marks. So I want to uh, introduce all three of them, uh, and then I'm gonna unpack the first one a little bit uh, and tell you about a little bit how why the uh, how they'll function uh, and why we wanted to do these defining marks. So uh, so let's begin. The first defining mark. Hey, isn't this exciting? Yes. Okay. The first defining mark. Uh, beautiful slide, Daniel. This is like this looks really great. Uh, so number one, we teach, preach, and practice citizenship in God's kingdom. Uh, that's the main heading, and then the paragraph descriptor is this: As the people of God, our allegiance belongs to Christ. So we approach life and Culture from a kingdom of God perspective, empowered by the Holy Spirit, we faithfully engage the world with the hope of the gospel and participate in God's renewal of all things. This inspires us to live with compassion, demonstrate love, lament when necessary, and celebrate the goodness of God. Okay, that's the first one. The second one, uh, and we're gonna—that's the one we're gonna unpack today. Uh, the second one, we pursue intergenerational ministry. Uh, as a church, we believe every generation brings value to the community. Therefore, we intentionally connect all generations through worship, service, and fellowship. This promotes spiritual formation and provides a sense of belonging for all ages. Uh, we're gonna unpack that in a couple of weeks. Uh, and then the last one, we shape our worship to retell the story of Jesus. Uh, As a community, we follow the seasons of the Christian calendar, like Advent, Lent, Eastertide, Pentecost, etc. Each week, our worship consists of celebration, confession, assurance of forgiveness, the preached word, and communion. And we believe these patterns are forming us. Into the likeness of Jesus. It's a present tense thing. Are forming us into the likeness of Jesus. Uh, so there, so there they are. Those are the defining marks. Pretty cool, huh? So uh, I will take your uh, quiet whistles as shouts of applause. So. <laughs> Uh, so, so what do we do? <laughs> what are we going to do with these defining marks, uh, and what are they? Uh, well, let me tell you: these statements are not meant to be a comprehensive description of our church. Let me say that right up front: these are not meant to be a comprehensive description of our church. That is to say that we do a lot more than what is described here. However, we feel that our particular focus on the kingdom of God, our attention to the Christian calendar, and our pursuit of intergenerational ministry are things that set us apart as a church, particularly in the evangelical space, okay? So these three defining marks, we feel like, set us apart as a church, particularly in the evangelical space. So again, these these are defining marks. They're not a comprehensive church plan or church strategy. Make sense? Uh, So if you look at it and you say, oh, but this thing isn't there, uh, that's okay. That doesn't mean that what you have mentioned or noticed is missing isn't important to us. It's just that these things are meant to describe what distinguishes us or defines us as a church community. Does that make sense? So let me also say right up front, these statements are not perfect. (laughs) In fact, we uh, argued and uh, took great care over every single word, uh, but we recognize that humans wrote them, uh, and so these words are not perfect, but I can tell you that they were written with much care and thought, uh, it was taken in writing these. Hopefully, uh, our our real goal is that none of these will come as a particular surprise uh, or even sound unfamiliar or brand new, but rather just provide language for what we've been doing for at least a couple of years now, right? So my hope is that uh, with each of the defining marks, y- your response was like, oh, yeah, well, yeah, we've kind of been doing that. Uh, that's That's been part of who we are. What we wanted to do is take who we are as a church and provide language for that. And so that's what we hope these do. Uh, we also hope that you'll refer back to these uh, when you're talking to others about About your church Uh, so I imagine uh, something like this like you're sitting in a Starbucks with a friend you're enjoying an iced tall strawberry green tea infusion uh, while you're chatting about life Uh, and then and then maybe you might say something like you know what I love about my church is that we pursue intergenerational ministry right so this is like total real life I know that all of you would say exactly this what I love about my church is that we pursue intergenerational ministry. So like my young children are welcomed in worship, my elementary uh, children uh, are, are invited to serve in a variety of ways, and our senior adults are also involved uh, instead of ignored, which is like kind of often true in broader culture, and it just creates a real sense of community and value to each person. I love it, right? So I imagine you saying something like that, or I also imagine you saying something like, I love that we wrestle with things that are going on in the world from a kingdom of God perspective. That might be a little bit more accessible. Uh, but but, my, but the idea here is that, uh, that these aren't just like statements that are handed down from a mountain, <laughs> written in stone, but, but rather that these things are things that we've been living into and pursuing uh, for a number of years, but now we have language so that you can talk about them. And if whether you adopt this exact kind of phrasing as you're talking to other people about it uh, is one thing. Uh, but certainly we would want you to, to have this whole Hopefully, this provides language for you to tell people about your church uh, and and about uh, the church that you love so that that's our real hope and our real goal now what is the place of these defining marks in terms of our ministry Uh, well that's this is an important question for us and if you've attended our covenant partner class in the past you may you may remember that up to this point up until literally this point uh, we have had uh, a mission statement core values, and something we called the code, Our core values were meant to describe the things that were really important to us as a community. In fact, um, up until today, they were always listed. You maybe never saw this, but they were always listed right on your bulletin. It was things like scripture, and community, and things like that. Uh, And and it was our core values. The the things that we need or that are important to us as a community. And then we had this thing called the code, which probably uh, 90% of you in this room didn't ever know that we had this thing called the code. Uh, That's how functional it was in our community. (laughs) Uh, it, It was uh, it was meant to describe the kind of cu- the culture of our church or the kind of church that we want to be uh, but, but again, at, at our retreat, as we looked carefully at these uh, in our le- leadership retreat, we realized that, that between the seven core values and the six statements in the code, uh, it was too much to keep in our heads and in our hearts and therefore had little or no bearing on how we actually conducted ministry or to this, the decisions that we made. In other words, the, co- the code and core values were literally just words on a page. Uh, And so we felt like we needed something that could be a little more memorable, uh, be simplified uh, so so that we could remember them and could actually have a functional difference in our ministry. So uh, our mission remains the same. Our mission is still to present Christ as Savior, pursue Christ as King, and partner with Christ in service. Present, pursue, partner, P cubed, right? Uh, A trinity of P, something like that. Uh, however, you, whatever works for you to remember that, present, pr- that just sounds horrible. I should have filtered that a little bit before. Um, like I just need to stick to my notes, I think, from, from here forward. Uh, but however, whatever it takes, and like none of you are ever gonna forget that now, right? So whatever it takes for you to remember our mission, it remains the same, present, pursue, and partner. Uh, but the defining marks will replace both the code and our stated core values. Now some of you are like, oh, that means our church doesn't have any values. Uh, that's not true. Uh, our church still has values, uh, and in fact, I would argue that the defining marks articulate values, but do it better than our stated core values. They do it in a much clearer and more concise way so that we can have what I like to call a funnel of ministry. Okay, what is a funnel of ministry, Pastor Andy? I'm so glad you asked. Okay, let me tell you about it. Uh, A funnel of ministry or a ministry funnel is... It's exactly how churches decide what they are going to do and how they are going to do it. A funnel of ministry is how churches decide what they're going to do and how they're going to do it. Now every church has a ministry funnel, whether they can articulate it or not, and it is a filter, it is this, it's a filter uh, that ideas are run through in order to determine if they should do it. So if a church doesn't have a ministry funnel, things can start to feel pretty disorganized pretty quickly where they're just trying to do everything. But every church usually has a functional ministry funnel, whether they can articulate it or not. So what our ministry funnel is going to look like, and we tried to make this font as big as possible, that's why you can read it so easily, uh, is first of all, a, a ministry funnel of helps churches decide. Okay, what that means is we're not perfect and we have typos from time to time and we need your grace, okay? That's what that means. So take the of out. A ministry funnel helps churches decide what they are going to do and how they are going to do it. So the, the funnel is real big with our mission, present, uh, pursue, and partner, that's our mission statement. And our mission statement, and this is true of every church by the way, every church's mission statement defines what it means to be a disciple. And so what we are saying is we feel like a fully formed disciple of Jesus Christ presents Christ as savior to the world, pursues Christ as king, and then gives their life away in partnership uh, with Christ in service to others. Uh, And then as we give ourselves away, guess what? We are also presenting Christ as Savior, that there is hope for the world. And so it's meant to be this cyclical form of discipleship. So that's what every Christian church should be doing with their mission statement, is defining what it means to be a disciple. Uh, Now, when it comes to ministry ideas, everything fits in the top of the funnel, right? Everything could be funneled through, does this make disciples. Unless it's like Satan worship, uh, then, then, right? But like, should we start this? Should we do this? Should we do that? All of these things, like tons of ideas fit at the top of the funnel. But you need to decide how do we, what, what, what kind of filter are we going to run ideas through? And that's where the defining marks come in. So we filter ministry ideas and programs and initiatives through the filter of the defining marks to help us shape that idea, I'm gonna give you an example of something as we run it through the funnel, and all of this will be much clearer, I promise. So top of the filter is mission, middle of the filter filter is the defining marks, and then the bottom of the filter is the programs or initiatives that we actually do and implement in the church. It's the we are actually doing this program, but we're doing it in this particular way after it has been run through the filter. So let me give you an example, because I can see uh, the look of consternation on all of your faces. So the top of the funnel again is mission statement. Uh, let's see. I, I think I did all this. Okay. So the example: our Faith and Film Nights. It's a brand new initiative. Um, and so let's run it through the filter. Hey, this is Rick talking to me, our discipleship director. Hey, Andy, uh, could we ever like show movies, popular movies, uh, and then talk about them from a faith perspective? Let's run it through the filter, Rick. That's, this, see, this is like this is not exactly how it goes, but pretty close. Um, <laughs> And so, so, so here's the idea. We want to, have, uh, we want to show movies uh, that, are, that are popular in culture, and, and we want to talk about them from a faith perspective. So does that help us present, pursue, or partner? Yes, it helps us pursue Christ as king, because that sounds a lot like a discipleship thing. Uh, that's not an outreach event. That's not something that an unchurched person would necessarily be interested in. Uh, of course, unchurched folks are always welcome, but they may not be necessarily be interested in that. That's a faith development and growth kind of thing that's going to help us pursue Christ as king. So, it fits in the top of the funnel. Now, how could this ministry be shaped by our defining marks? Well, the first defining mark that we just read says that we are committed to engage life and culture from a kingdom of God perspective. And guess what? Films are a huge part of culture. So, taking opportunities to engage with popular films is engaging with culture. Now, what this means is our faith in film nights will include movies that are not explicitly Christian films, but may include Christian themes. Because if we only watch Facing the Giants and such, we probably aren't engaging culture that well, right? But if we're watching Lord of the Rings, or Ben-Hur, or Iron Giant, or any some of these other ones that are popular, then we're engaging culture. Does this make sense? Okay, so that's what our faith is. So it goes through the filter. Now, when we talk about this film, we're going to look at it to see what it says about the kingdom of God. And are there ways where the kingdom of God is evidenced in this film in some way? Uh, because the tru- all truth belongs to God. It doesn't matter where its source is, right? Uh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who said it. If it's true, it comes from the Holy Spirit, right? Uh, hoping for some amens there, but that's okay. Uh, I'll keep moving on. So, so so, it runs through the filter. Then the other thing is, our other defining mark is, can we make this intergenerational? Uh, and if not all the time, can we do that some of the time? And, and so last night was really positioned as an intergenerational event. It's, it's a rated PG film uh, that's friendly for kids, and I can tell you that my nine-year-old and my six-year-old engaged in the discussion after the movie at age-appropriate ways, and they was helping them think through the film. And, and, and so, like, as a dad, I'm like, yes! <laughs> right? So like, it could be, oh, we just watched the movie, and then we went to bed. Or we watch this movie and then we engage with it from a faith perspective, help our young kids start processing things, uh, and, and, and then I just think, yeah, this is a huge win, right? Uh, not all the faith and film nights will be intergenerational, but they're, but they're there. And then the, the, the other defining mark is uh, the seasons. Uh, our, our worship is shaped by the to retell the story of Jesus, shaped by the Christian calendar, so then we think, are, are there movies or films that we could watch that based on their thematic content make sense to watch during Lent or Easter or Christmas? Christmas or whenever, okay? So how did Faith and Film Nights happen? It fit in the mission, was shaped by the defining marks, and then ended with an intergenerational kingdom perspective watching of the Iron Giant complete with popcorn. Yay! Hey, doesn't the ministry funnel work well? Yeah, okay, I can tell that I'm more excited about this than you are, but that's okay. Okay, so placing the defining marks in the middle of the ministry funnel helps us shape what we do and, importantly, how we do it. Uh, So in this way, we hope that introducing these defining marks in place of the code and the core values uh, will simplify the process of making decisions and will bring clarity to the what, the why, and the how we do things, okay? So that's the defining marks. If you have any questions, feel free uh, to ask. I'd be happy to address those. But I wanna unpack the first defining mark. So, uh, Brenna, could you show that again, the, the first defining mark? We teach, preach, and practice citizenship in God's kingdom. As a people of God, our allegiance belongs to Christ. We approach life and culture from a kingdom of God perspective. So empowered by the Holy Spirit, we faithfully engage the world with the hope of the gospel and participate in God's renewal of all things. This inspires us to live with compassion, to demonstrate love, to lament when necessary, and to celebrate the goodness of God. Now, in Philippians chapter 3, verse 20, the Apostle Paul encourages the church in Philippi with these words. He says, our citizenship, he's talking to a church of believers, he says, our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a savior from there who will transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body. And so he, so the, the apostle Paul actually coins this phrase of citizenship in heaven. We are just borrowing it. <laughs> but what does he mean? What does this citizenship in heaven actually mean? Does it mean that uh, this world is not our home and we're just passing through? I would say no, it does not. Rather, citizenship is about carrying culture wherever you go. Citizenship is about carrying that culture wherever you go. And so Philippi was a Roman colony, which meant that Rome was doing its very best to bring Roman culture to Philippi. And what Paul does is in light of that, and in that context, as Rome was doing its very best to bring Roman culture to Philippi, what what Paul does is say, we are citizens of heaven. And what he's essentially saying is yes, our hope is that what Christ has done and that our bodies will be transformed just like he has, that we will be raised up just as Christ has been raised up but he is also saying as we are citizens of heaven that we are to bring the culture of heaven to bear wherever we are at. This is Paul's message to Philippi and I would say this is is the same message for us today that if Paul were roaming Fort Collins and planting a church here, he would say to the church in Fort Collins, our citizenship is in heaven. (laughs) And that is to say that all the cultural influences that have come to bear on Fort Collins, if we are here, there ought to be one more cultural influence, and that is the culture of heaven that we are to bring the culture of heaven to bear wherever we live. That's what citizenship means. It doesn't mean, oh, I, I really belong somewhere else, but rather it means this may be my home, but I'm gonna bring the culture of home to where I live now and to where I find myself. And so this is exactly what we are trying to say with our very first defining mark, that we teach, we preach, we practice citizenship in God's kingdom. What this means is that as a church, we will focus on asking the question, what does the kingdom of God look like? And when we have answered that question, we are going to go and chase those things. Are you with me? We're gonna ask the question, what does the kingdom of God look like? And when we answer that question, we're gonna go and chase those things. But one of the mistakes of modern Christianity, particularly in the West, is that we've largely misunderstood the kingdom to be just a collection of believers. And so when we say the kingdom, what we actually mean is the church. In fact, I was talking with a pastor very recently who said, of course I believe that the kingdom is already here. God's believers are everywhere. And I said, wait, no, I think you've missed it. That when we, the kingdom of God is not a way of talking about a collection of believers, that's called the church. The kingdom of God is a shorthand way of talking about the reign and the rule of God. And you've heard me say that probably a hundred times, right? but it's so important for us to recognize and for us to realize. And so we begin to ask questions like, what would the kingdom of God look like if it broke through in the homeless community of Fort Collins? First, the homeless would be humanized again, right? Second, they wouldn't be hungry. Third, they wouldn't be homeless, <laughs> right? Some of you are like the overarching theme is they wouldn't be there in the kingdom of God. And so what do we do? We participate in Renee's Hope, which is both to help feed and provide one meal, but we also help provide fellowship, conversation at Renee's Hope, and that's a way of humanizing people who are often so dehumanized. But then we we also recognize that there are programs in our city that we can participate with that are doing a great job of actually ending the cycle of homelessness. I don't know if you know this, but FFH does a phenomenal job of getting people into transitional housing and then move more into permanent housing. They do a phenomenal job. And so it is an honor and a privilege for us to be able to participate with FFH and the work that they're doing. And so we just begin to ask, like, what would the kingdom of God look like if, and then if it broke in here or if it broke in there? Like, like. How about these loaded questions? What would the kingdom of God look like if it broke through in the United States? Well, we would learn to see each other's shared humanity so we could care for the immigrant, racism would end, and we wouldn't carry out violence against one another, and on and on and on it goes, right? And so we begin to say, what would the kingdom of God look like if, and once we answer that, we begin to chase that. And, and guess what, we can't chase everything. There's a limited number of people and resources in this room or the people that call this their church home. So we're not gonna do everything, but, but at least our defining mark begins to say, we wanna have a kingdom of God focus because we're gonna teach and we're gonna preach and we're gonna do our very doggone best to practice citizenship in the kingdom of God. And that is to say that we're gonna look and we're gonna to begin to ask and we're gonna to begin to discern what does the kingdom of God look like? What is God up to? What is God doing? Where is his presence breaking in? And then let's move and let's go and let's chase after that. And guess what? There are, those are never easy questions. And they are never easy answers. Which is why I love so much what happened last week with Raw Tools. Because when it comes to guns, there are, all, there are people in this room who are gonna fall on each end of the spectrum. But can we gather in a space and have conversation? And I think, I think, man, if we can gather in a space and have honest conversation and ask honest questions and tell each other stories, then, then I think that embodies the kingdom of God. I think that shows that we're moving closer to what God would have us to do. And so, man, I just just wanna be a church with a kingdom of God focus. And let's not narrow our definition of the kingdom of God to the gathering of believers, that's the church, but let's recognize and help participate in being the answer to the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray, that his will would be done and his kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven. Now there is another way of saying this <laughs> and that is the word politics. And and we almost said this. Uh, the first defining mark almost read we teach, preach, and practice a kingdom politic. Uh, But in the end, after receiving some feedback, we felt like it was too high of a risk of being misunderstood or too charged of a word. But I want you in this safe place to think about this with me. Politics are a way of organizing culture. And so politics are always about power structures, relationships, values, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. If politics are how are the way in which we organize life, then all of life is political. You with me? You're not with me, that's okay. (laughs) All of life is political. And people often say, you know, politics don't belong in the church. And I understand what that statement means. It means that they don't want church to be partisan. And I agree. I don't think the church should ever be partisan. In my almost 12 years here, I've never stood in this pulpit and told you who to vote for or how to vote, nor will I. I will never tell you that. What I will engage with you is what do the scriptures have to say about the things that are going on in culture? What are we as the people of God meant to be pressing into? And what are the kinds of questions we should be asking? Okay. because like what has happened is we have over individualized the gospel. Uh, And and I would want to say to you that Jesus, people were not angry with Jesus and Jesus was not killed on a cross because he told people how to go to heaven when they die. Like that. (laughs) Right. I mean, if Jesus was only sharing a message of eternal bliss after death. People would not have been angry with him. But what he was talking about is ways in which the world ought to be organized. And so Jesus was very political. Uh, and, and so what, I don't want you to misunderstand me. Like, some of you are like, oh, Andy's gonna take us in a direction of, of he's just gonna tell us. No, 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 what we're gonna do is exactly what it says. We're gonna teach, preach, and practice citizenship in God's kingdom. But another way of saying that is engaging culture from a kingdom politic. Because when we talk about the gospel, we're talking about relationships and values and, and, and power structures and all of those kinds of things. So, so the church, um, I think the church has put an over-focus on individual belief and salvation. Uh, well, let, let me say this, the, the other thing that people often mean when they say the church shouldn't be political is what they mean is, is that the church should just focus on individual belief and salvation and not worry about all the rest. But I would say that to do so would not be true to the message or the ministry of Jesus. Because Jesus rarely, if ever, talks about individual salvation or holding proper belief. What Jesus talks all the time about uh, is uh, following in the way of the kingdom of God. Uh, which is a particular life, a a particular way of life, right? He talks about following the reign of God and holding allegiance to God as king. These are the kinds of themes that we hear Jesus talking about. Uh, And so I would say the church uh, must be political, but from a kingdom of God perspective. Now, let me just recognize, I understand that this makes some of you crazy uncomfortable. (laughs) And and I, I want to recognize that and allow you to bear with me. If you are here... Um, and, and, and you're like, still sticking with us, Nothing, this, is not like a, this is not a right turn Sunday, where it, we were going down this road and now all of a sudden we're going down another road. Uh, in fact, we've, we've been doing this for a long, long time. In fact, in a moment of honesty, can I just say that I've been preaching in the way that I'm currently describing to you right now for a long, long time. In fact, dating all the way back to 2009. Uh, We've done series that have touched on hot-button issues of the day and tried to unpack them from a kingdom of God perspective. We've done series like, and these titles of the series are like so charged, right? So we've done series called Adventures in Missing the Point. Uh, we've, We've done series called What's Up With That, which is like where we looked at stuff where people are like, that's so crazy, like, what's up with that, you know? Like, what's up with that, you know? And, and so like, it was like a playful way of doing a very serious series uh, and, and tackling these things. And, and then, uh, not too long ago, we did a series called Left, Right, or Whatever. And, and it was literally a series where we looked at the political hot button issues of the day, and said, well, whether you're on the left or the right or whatever, let's look at them from a kingdom of God perspective. And so, uh, what we haven't done as well, I would say, you know, we've been kind of preaching about it for a long time, what we haven't done as well, uh, but I think we're doing better as of late, is actually putting into practice and living out the ways of the kingdom. Um, I love it that on any given Sunday, the the bulk of our bulletin announcements have to do with some sort of compassionate ministry or, or reaching out, okay? So we're engaging culture from a kingdom of God perspective. Um, and I would say that's what citizenship in God's kingdom is all about. It's about engaging culture around you with a kingdom perspective and working to bring the ways of kingdom to bear. Now, I love this quote. I'm not aware of the source. I saw it on social media and then I stole it and it wasn't sourced, so I offer it to you for free. Um, but, but here it is, here's the quote. Uh, if the church is not political, it is irrelevant to the world that God so loves. But if the church is partisan, it becomes a tool of the empire. If the church is not political, it's irrelevant to the world around it that God so loves. But if the church becomes partisan, it becomes a tool of the empire. Okay, so we're not talking about partisan politics. We're talking about a kingdom of God perspective. And so, the first defining mark is what we are utterly focused on teaching, preaching, and practicing citizenship in God's kingdom, which means that we are going to talk about it in life groups, I'm gonna preach about it on Sunday mornings, and we're going to explore together how to practice a way of life that embodies the kingdom of Christ. Um, Now, there's a bit more to say about this, uh, because there's more to it, it's not just the opening line, there's more to it, Uh, and and so let's uh, continue to unpack the first defining mark. It says, as the people of God, our allegiance belongs to Christ. Uh, which is a confession statement uh, of uh, of where our allegiance belongs, and uh, i 'm currently reading this great uh, little book. Uh maybe I, I would commend it to you if you, if you are interested. Uh, but it's called Salvation by Allegiance Alone and it's clearly a, a riff off of the biblical phrase salvation by faith alone. Uh, but the basic premise of the book is that the Greek word pistis, which is the Greek word for faith, so don't make fun of me for that. Uh, that's just the word. The Greek word for, that often is translated faith is the Greek word pistis. And the argument that the author makes is that generally speaking uh, faith, or that is pistis, is best understood as a Allegiance to Christ as king, rather than proper belief. Uh, and so here's a quote from the book, he says this, the Apostle Paul does not primarily call us to faith, that is belief or trust, in some sort of atonement system in order to be saved, but rather to faith, that is allegiance, unto Jesus as Lord. So the call of, of faith is not necessarily belief but allegiance to Christ as Lord. That's the primary premise of the book. And the reality is is that uh, we can hold all kinds of different beliefs but still hold our allegiance to something or someone else. Uh, That is to say that that we can uh, confess one thing with belief and practice another thing with allegiance. Are you with me? Uh, And and so what the scripture is calling us to is both a faith in, that is, yes, an intellectual belief, but also an allegiance to Christ who is uh, enthroned as king over all of the nations. Um, And so we, so let me give you an example. Uh, I, standing before you today, hold dual citizenship. And no, I am not Canadian. Uh, I don't have the accent for it, and I don't like the cold. But uh, I am an American, and I can't help but bring American culture with me wherever I go. This was never more clear to me than when I went to Africa, and in the restaurant I ordered chips, expecting to get thinly sliced potatoes that have been seasoned and fried, and that create a satisfying crunch in my mouth, when in fact my plate came and I got what I like to call French fries, okay? I said, chips, thinking chips, and I got french fries. I am an American, and I can't help but bring American culture with me wherever I go. If you've ever traveled internationally, you know this to be true. The lattes aren't sweet enough. Can I get an amen, right? It's like, around the world, they don't sweeten everything like they do here, you know? so. I'm an American, I can't help but bring American culture with me everywhere I go. As an American, I have a president. And as presidents change, I hold varying degrees of solidarity with their viewpoints and policies. But I would also say to you that regardless of who the president is, they never hold my allegiance, for that belongs to Christ the King. And, if, and it's a... It's, uh, It would be surprising, wouldn't it, if in a church, a pastor proclaiming his allegiance belongs to Christ the king would be controversial. But sometimes it is. Now, I am a citizen of the USA, and I am a citizen of the kingdom of Christ. And since Christ sits as king over all the nations, my allegiance belongs to him. Therefore, I would say this. It is so important, that opening line Uh, of the paragraph, as a people of God, our allegiance belongs to Christ, sets the foundation and the framework for the rest of the statement. If our allegiance belongs to Christ, then guess what? We are going to approach life and culture from a kingdom of God perspective. And since the kingdom of God is a kingdom of renewal, then we as a church are going to do our very best to go and look for where renewal is happening and to pursue that, to participate in that, to work alongside of that. And then we are going to lament when things are not as they should be. Or when things are not as they one day will be. And that doesn't mean that we're not wrestling with certain realities. Listen, I loved Patrick's voice uh, last week where he was like, I feel like that where we're at in the world today, some people need to participate in violence and get their hands dirty to keep the peace. But I also hold that when I do that, I'm, I'm not participating in the shalom that the scripture talks about. And he's living in that tension and he's wrestling with that tension. And so so, I'm afraid that sometimes I'm misunderstood as not having a heart for where where people are at, and I want you to hear that I do. But I've come to see the gospel in a new light, and I want to share that with you. And I want to pursue the kingdom of Christ in all of its different facets, and in all of its beauty. And I want to lament the realities that we must face in our world. When we know that one day, When all things are made new, those things will not be here anymore. Can we lament that? Can we press into what it might look like? And that's my invitation to us as a church. And so I'll close with this. As Jesus teaches us about the ways of the kingdom of God, it challenges us, it stretches us, it asks something of us. Which means that if a central part of our ministry is proclaiming and embodying and living into the kingdom of Christ, then guess what? You will be stretched. Something will be asked of you, and you will be challenged. And there will be things said that you don't agree with, and that you will say things that I don't agree with, to which I say, amen! I don't want to be part of a community where we just get together and talk about all the things we agree on right? Chances are, yeah. Chances are you've been part of that church where you get together in years you just kind of go to life group and you go and you talk about all the things you agree on and then you leave. And the next week you come back, you talk about all the things you already agree on and then you leave. And then you come, come to church, you hear somebody say all the stuff you already agree with and then you go. But that's not the kingdom of God, is it? Okay, sorry about the clapping, I should not have clapped. Um, That's not the kingdom of God, right? Like the kingdom of God is this thing that stretches us and pushes us and challenges us. And listen, I wanna be part of a church where we're stretched and pushed and challenged. And so for as long as you'll let me keep my job, that's what I'm gonna do. And if some of you are too fed up with that, I invite you to talk to our members of our board, right? Like, you have the power! (laughs) But I'm just up here doing what I feel like I need to do in order to be faithful. And that is that I need to teach and preach and lead us to practice citizenship in God's kingdom. Amen? I'm done. (laughs) And I'm sweating, so uh, no hugs after church. Uh, let's say a word of prayer, and then I'm going to lead us to the Lord's table. This is where the action is. This is where the action is at, is the Lord's table. where God forms us and shapes us, where He meets us right where we're at. And uh, we take in His very life together. We remember and confess His death and His resurrection on our behalf. So we'll gather to do that. Heavenly Father, would you help us um, being the people of God, being a church? I suppose this is true for all time, but it's, I, I feel like it's particularly true for our time. Being the people of God in a church is not easy. Uh, wrestling with all that it means to be followers of Jesus is, is not an easy task. But God, would you help us? Uh, Lord, would your Holy Spirit lift us, give us discernment, strengthen us, empower us to live as your people. God, we confess that we're not going to always do that perfectly. In fact, we confess that that we don't do it perfectly, but Lord, we want to faithfully pursue you and your kingdom. Would you help us in that endeavor? And would you help us collectively as a body, as a local body of believers, uh, to know what it means to begin or, or to continue, really, in this... Uh, in this way of a kingdom focus. And Lord, as we go about making decisions for ministry, would you lead us and guide us? And Lord, may your Holy Spirit be the teacher. I've done my best to communicate today, but I recognize that some ideas may be foreign or uncomfortable, and so Lord, would your Holy Spirit lead us into all truth? Lord, we love you today. We thank you for your goodness to us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.